Let's turn for our study from the Word to Romans chapter 6. If you're here in the adult Sunday school class, again, Troy was stealing the thunder <laughs> from the message this morning, adding to it. <laughs> Let's say adding to the thunder. <laughs> and um, couldn't believe it when he said, turn to here, turn to there, and read this verse, and read that verse. <laughs> but... Praise the Lord, we'll get a double dose of the truth from God's word from this this morning. <clears throat> if you've got your bulletin, you can follow on. The morning service outline is this third page. The steps of new life. The steps of new life. <clears throat> covered quite a few different subjects concerning new life interspersed with the studies on the book of Revelation. Uh, we looked at God's new thing, salvation, the seed of new life, the source, the start, the seal, the song, the security, the signs, and now the steps of new life that we're looking at this morning. There's still a few more to go in this series. But we, <clears throat> as we look at scripture, we find Many figures of speech that are used to describe the Christian life, don't we? Sometimes it's called a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Timothy talks about it, good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand, says Paul in Ephesians. Sometimes the Christian life is like an athlete, a boxer or a runner. Run the race that is set before you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 speaks of that. Sometimes the Christian life is spoken of as a farmer sowing and reaping in the life. But perhaps the most frequently used picture is that of a walker. Now we're not talking about Ross and his family. <laughs> pray that you're involved <laughs> but a walker and uh, they say that for good exercise is take a good walk <laughs> and for us who are older that's the only thing you can do or just <laughs> you know shuffle <laughs> or walk but to get the and look it's good exercise for the Christian it's one of the best and basic things that we ought to do as Christians um, <clears throat> seven times in the book of Ephesians, we won't turn there, it's talked about the walk of a Christian, how to walk, where to walk, who to walk in. The walk suggests action, direction, destination. The important thing about a walk, however, it is, the ex is that it's the extension of the first step. And when, when I go for a walk, it's up the hill. Because it's, I'm glad we've got a hill next to us. Because just walk on a flat ground, it doesn't get the heart, cardiovascular, whatever, pumping. <laughs> but the hill does. And by the time you get up half, now, now we've got uh, the young lads living with us. Uh, I take them, or they take me. <laughs> we start at the bottom of the hill. And uh, Michael usually sticks with me. But Toby says, can I run, Grandpa? Go, go. <laughs> 
He runs up the top, comes back down, and runs up again, and we're not even at the top yet. <laughs> he, he's a runner. He's not a walker. <laughs> but, but, there you go. We've changed his name. <laughs> Where is he? He's in junior church. <laughs> but <clears throat> The Christian life starts with the first step, out the door. You've got to take the first step. It's so important. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. What is the first step? What is the most important step that we need to take to start this walk? Salvation. It's pretty basic, isn't it? That we need to be in Christ. You know, over the years I've seen many fly-by-night Christians. Many splash in the pan. You know, they're, they're like Toby. <laughs> Sorry, but he's, he's not listening anyway. He's, he's listening to the junior church. But jumps out and off they go. Seems like they're going to get miles ahead. They're going to, you know, do great things for the Lord. But you find them fainted somewhere. You find them by the way. After a year of uh, great activity, things have come to naught. What's happened? Was their faith real? Did they possess Christ in that first step of faith and believe as they should? Or was it just an intellectual assent to the truths of God's word and not real personal faith in the Lord Jesus? From Romans 6, where we've moved to this morning, we learn about three things we're going to look at. The steps in the new life of liberation the steps in the new life of occupation and the steps in the new life of dedication. Let's pray before we look at some of these. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son, our Saviour, whom we have remembered in the table this morning. And I pray that we would not just hear, but at all times through every day remember the Lord Jesus. We are going to stand before him shortly. And I pray, Lord, as we've seen him in Revelation even this morning, we might prepare ourselves as we read the word and uh, walk sanctified lives and that we would not be ashamed before him at his coming. And, Lord, that we would, as we, looked at, as we look at Romans 6 this morning, endeavor to do what is pleasing to him, walk in his way. Lord, if we have strength to run, and not be weary, run, and not be weary. But Lord, if we are to be consistent, we need to keep moving forward. Keep walking. Take the first step of faith. And Lord, if there's someone here today that hasn't taken the step of faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might today do that. Become your child. Lord, we do thank you for Andrew and Jessica and the wedding and we do pray your blessing on them as they travel and go to their destination and that they might enjoy themselves and always keep you before themselves and Lord that they might be used mightily and greatly of you should you tarry we ask and pray your blessing and ministry to those that aren't with us today because of illness and we think particularly of Mr and Mrs Brunken Lord strengthen them they have been in attendance almost every service for 40 years. And Lord, they are saddened that they can't be here. 
I'd love to be here this morning and this evening and prayer meeting, but Lord, physical things keep them from being here. Be with them and strengthen them. Thank you for their faithfulness. Bless us as we consider the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so first of all, the step steps in the new life of liberation. If you go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 6, we read this. <laughs> There's a question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, is the grace of God an excuse to sin? It's an important issue that we must face. If we're to understand this new life in Christ, when we take that step of faith believing on him, there are those that believe that as long as they confess their sins to a priest or to a preacher or or uh, yes, even to the Lord, you know, First John chapter 1 tells me I confess my sin, then I can go out and do more. That is presuming upon the grace of God. That's taking the great sacrifice the Lord gave on our behalf very lightly. And it's not for us to do because the answer comes ringing in the next verse, God forbid. <laughs> How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? In other words, the pathway of liberation is not to continue in sin. Once we've been saved and liberated from sin, we're not to continue in the path of sin. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And for them in Galatians, it was the law, but for Gentiles, it was the the sin that they could go back and fall into rather live in victory and so he Paul declares in Romans 6 verse 7 for he that is dead is freed from sin the death of Christ brings liberty from the penalty of sin does it not as we read back in Romans 6 3 know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death and speaking of spiritual baptism here, being baptized into the body of Christ, I believe that unless we have been, we're not saved, we're not born again. <clears throat> According to this, these phrases and others in Corinthians, we need to take that seriously. In fact, as you read through Romans 6, underline the word dead or death you'll notice that it occurs 17 times in this one chapter. So you get the gist of the message. To be united with Christ in faith means freedom from the penalty of sin. Christ died for our sins in order that we might not die. He took our place. He took our punishment. He took our death. And to die spiritually, eternally, I believe what is being spoken about. He took the punishment we deserve in order that we might not be punished, that we might be set at liberty. Liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ is unity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to a couple of verses from the Old Testament. In Isaiah 42 verse 7 it reads, To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness out of the prison house. That's what's happened to us. We've brought, been brought out in that first step of faith uh, from the prison. We've been set at liberty. 
We can praise the Lord, can't we? That that has happened to us. You've been delivered from prison. You're still in prison. Who's, who, who's ever been in prison? Put it up your hand, come on, put it right up. <laughs> he surprised us one day at a men's prayer time. He said, I've been in prison. What did you go to prison for, Brother Ross? Yeah, ask him after, I won't tell you from here. <laughs> Let him tell a story. He'll tell you the truth. <laughs> he, he will. But it's good to see the other side of the gate, isn't it? And to be out and to be at liberty. Praise the Lord, none of you, the rest of us, have been in prison. He's been in prison. Another prisoner. Yes. An illegal immigrant. An illegal immigrant. Libya. Oh, in Libya. Oh. You can be glad it's not these days. But folks, really, we could all put our hands up because we've all been in prison. The prison of sin. And praise God that he's given us the liberty in Jesus Christ as we took that step of faith. Have you taken the step of faith? <clears throat> so, delivered from the penalty of sin. The, the wages of sin is death. That's what it's talking about in this chapter. We've been delivered from that because Christ has taken death for us. And we've been set at liberty. <clears throat> As Romans 8.1 tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Have you taken that first step? Are you out of the prison of sin? Secondly, the death of Christ brings liberty from the cruelty of sin. In verse 4 of chapter 6 of Romans, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The matter of Christ's burial is often overlooked in our preaching, isn't it? You don't hear a lot on that. But in Paul's mind, there, there was a divine purpose for it. Not only did it certify, certify, certify his death and therefore enhance the full significance of the resurrection, he, didn't just, he wasn't just knocked out, he wasn't just unconscious, he died. And so the burial enhances, yes, the significance of the resurrection. It also robs sin of its cruelty. The grave is a cruel place. I think we've all stood next to a grave of a loved one. Someone that you've got to know over years. You've got to love them. You've, got to res you've learned to respect them. And then they're gone. You know, the Bible says in Corinthians, we, we Christians, sorrow not as others who have no hope. But we still what? We still grieve. We still sorrow for those that go. We, we, we wish they could stay with us. Now, God's put eternity in our heart, hasn't he? <laughs> well, that's human beings. And we sorrow and grieve and shed tears for those that have gone. And there's the cruelty of death. Listen to what the Song of Solomon says in chapter 8, verse 6. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its coals are coals of fire which hath a most vehement flame. Interesting description of death there. Its coals are coals of fire which hath a most vehement flame. 
we can thank God that we finally, in the final analysis, have been delivered from the cruelty of death. We can say with the Apostle Paul, as he said in Corinthians, you know, thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, because Christ died, because Christ was buried, we can have the victory with him through his death we may deliver from death. Praise God for that. And 2 Corinthians is, is a great chapter to consider in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. For those that suffer the loss of a loved one or are on the, as it were, death row. We're all on death row, aren't we? It's <laughs> appointed unto man once to die. But for those that are closer to that point, these are comforting words. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we die, in other words. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Great promise for those that have taken the first step in their walk of faith. For in this we groan, this old body, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Don't you some days wish that, especially when you're in pain? We desire to be clothed with that heavenly home. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And for those that have stood by a grave or considered the grave themselves, these are wonderful words. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not that we'd be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Wonderful words, and you can read them right down to verse 10 there. So the death of Christ brings liberty from the penalty of sin, which is eternal death, from it brings liberty from the cruelty of sin and the grave and the sorrow of it. And thirdly, the death of Christ brings liberty from the slavery of sin. If we go back to Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him, as we've quoted it before, by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also walk in newness of life. Verse 6 as well, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, henceforth we should not serve sin. So the death of Christ brings liberty from the slavery to sin. You know, each one of us, as un, unsaved people, we're all born in that state, we are slaves of sin. People think they're out there doing their own thing. <laughs> Live in life to the fullest. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we may die. And they don't realize they're a slave to sin. <laughs> they're in bondage to it. They're in the prison of it. They think they're having a good time kicking up their heels. Saturday night, Friday night. Spend up all your wages and then go back Monday and earn some more. So you can spend it up next weekend. Is that life? That's not what God intended. But we, we as Christians have been delivered from that. <laughs> The secret of victory over sin in all its subtlety and multiple forms is that we can be united by faith to a Christ who rose from the dead to become our indwelling saviour. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. <laughs> we live if we're <laughs> crucified with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we've been delivered from the slavery of sin. We've been brought out of the slave market of sin. 
He has paid the price for our redemption, all that from the Old Testament that we can take the likenesses of. So praise the Lord, the step steps in the new life of liberation, liberty from the penalty, cruelty and slavery of sin. Secondly, <coughs> second main point, the steps in the new life of dedication. In chapter 6 of Romans and verse 13, and uh, Troy was on this one this morning. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Paul is here using language that would be well understood by his readers in Rome, a city that was filled with wickedness and corruption and sin. He makes clear that the steps of the new life of dedication must involve two things. First of all, the dethronement of sin, taking sin off the throne of our hearts, taking that which we once enjoyed as non-Christians off the throne of our heart. And, and it's hard to dethrone a king, you know. <laughs> they sit there and they don't want to give up. Ha have a look at some of the dictators around the world now. Have a look at some of the wars. Some of the things are very happening right now where somebody's been in power for 30 years and doesn't want to move out even though they've been voted out. Then they send the army in to shoot them all their own people up. And that's just like sin in our lives, isn't it? When we become a Christian, it's not going to get off the throne easy. It wants to remain in dominance. It's the king, Lord sin. And sit there. Let, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign, king, reign in your mortal body, but that you should obey it in its lust. Now, how many of us have had to wrestle with king sin this week. Maybe in the service this morning you've had to wrestle with king sin. Maybe your mind's wandering off somewhere else right now. <laughs> king sin wants to sit on the throne. What is a temptation that's come your way that you've had to resist this week? King sin trying to sit on the throne again. The steps in the new life of dedication. We have to dethrone sin. And as I mentioned earlier, the word sin, uh, death is used 17 times in this chapter. Reign as king. Set your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ. Meditate in the word. Read the word. Submit to the word. Don't let sin occupy the throne. You know, sin will keep on challenging us. For how long? How long does sin want to sit on the throne? Yep, right through until the redemption of the body. When this mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same. So, see, you're not unique in saying, oh, I've got all these temptations, I've got all these problems. Hey, it's for everybody, <laughs> We're all wrestling with it. That's why I had you put up your hand. Some of you didn't. <laughs> You're the most sinful ones here. <laughs> and I'm willing to confess your sin. <laughs> yeah, get right with the Lord. Yeah, the Lord wants the holy people. He wants people that are walking with him, that are putting this, this, this old king off. Let not sin dominate your life. You know, sin, someone put it like this, sin may be dormant, but it doesn't have to dominate. Well, that's a good thought. It's there. At a moment's notice, it can come to fruition. 
and can come back. But we have to kill it. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, that we are to rethink how we think. <laughs> think on these things. I, I, I'll look at it. Usually it comes to me. It, it, the old body's getting worn out. <laughs> Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed, but ye transformed by the renewing of your mind thinking you know the sin starts right there with the thinking with the thinking with the thinking you know tick 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 it's going over and when the thought comes get rid of it we have a, a cursed blackbird or blackbirds in our front yard they're imported from England <laughs> so it's okay to trap them isn't it anyway <laughs> I'll shoot them <laughs> Remember, remember, Helen and Bruce Mitchell. Mm -hmm. They come to church years ago here, and they moved down to Kyabram, is it, somewhere? Mm -hmm. But in his backyard, he had houses two stories high. He hated blackbirds. He's all from out the farming area, and and they would steal his fruit and everything. And he would get up on his balcony with his slug gun in town, <laughs> and just sit there. A retired person, got it. We had a lot of grapes in our yard and fruit and stuff, and the blackbirds were a real pest. Everybody seemed to be breeding blackbirds, and they ought to be eating at our place. So he said, "Come round at your house too. <laughs> come round. I'll come round and I'll, I'll get them for you. Okay, you come round." But he couldn't. He couldn't get it without the bullet going to someone else's yard. So this is a long time ago. This is before guns need to be licensed and all that. So. <laughs> We weren't doing anything illegal. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, birds, like sin, can come and land on your head. But you don't have to let them nest there. You don't have to let sin build a nest there and grow. But we, we do when we stop or keep thinking about sinful things. Christ wants to give us the victory. We need to die to that. Don't let king sin reign. Shoot it. Kill it. And the way is by the what you think about. And that's why God wants us to always have our mind thinking about spiritual things, particularly when the devil comes knocking with temptation. And not only do we dethrone sin, but in verse 13 of chapter 6 of Romans, there's something else we must do. <clears throat> it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, Starts with the thoughts, the blackbirds of sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. We need to enthrone God, dethrone King Sin, and enthrone the Lord Himself. Enthrone God. This is both an initial act and a continual attitude. It is the handing over of our total person to the sovereignty and authority of God. Do we know what full surrender means? God has shown you the wastefulness of a sinful life or a life lived for sin. And Troy was touching on this this morning using his, his uh, employee, uh, whichever one, <laughs> the fellow that employs him, <laughs> about how can you find a person today that is committed to doing the right thing, to working a hard day's work. They all want to play games on their computers and their, and their, <clears throat> and their phones. 
What about God as he's looking for servants that have dethroned sin and enthroned him? You see, we have a, a, a whole lot, and I say Christians too, who, have not, who are not enthroning the Lord. They've got self on the throne. Selfishness has been taught in churches as a spiritual thing. When God talks about selflessness, not selfishness, not putting us, but God on the throne. He is the Lord. If we are not recognizing that, we're living our life for ourselves and sin. How about you? Are you in letting God take control? What does it say in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20? It reads, What, know ye not your body is in the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are brought with a price, a very high price, the Lord's death for our sins. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, he gives us the choice. <laughs> he wants people that serve him from love, not from a law. He says, love me. And we have to obey from the heart. We can make you, he could make us, he can make us all. <laughs> but it's not a law. He wants you to respond in love to enthrone him. Not to force you and twist your arm behind your back to make you. Is every part of our life yielded to the Lord? Members of our body, as it reads there in, in Romans chapter 6, yielding our members completely, totally over to him. Have to move on to the third point, the steps in new life of liberation, the steps in new life of dedication, dethroning God, enthroning, I mean, dethroning sin and self and Satan and enthroning God, and thirdly, the steps in the new life of occupation. Chapter 6 and verse 22 of Romans but now being made free from sin, you become the servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness. And the end, what's the end? Everlasting life. Committed people have a wonderful thing to look forward to. Everlasting life with the Lord. Is he going to say, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant to each and every one of us? Or are we not committing ourselves? Every day to his service, not enthroning him. Having declared that the Christian is liberated and dedicated, Paul proceeds to show that the Christian is someone who occupies his time in the service of the king. So he points out further steps here in the new life of occupation. And it was when uh, Calvary Baptist, under the leadership of Pastor Vesley, was having a conference down there. I, I don't know how many, it's 10 years or more ago, maybe. There, that, that, I think this was the, one of the, the key verse that was up there and in, in Luke 19:13, And he called his 10 servants and delivered unto them 10 pounds and said what? O Occupy. <laughs> Occupy till I come. Hey. Once we've taken that first step on the walk of life and keep on walking, keep on walking, what are we doing? We're occupying ourselves till he comes. Busy in the service of the king. You know, if public servants got this, our country would be different. <laughs> if they realised that their pay... Uh, sorry, public servants, any public service here today. 
<laughs> no hands going. But hey, you're serving the people. What an attitude change that would bring. What a what a change in our country it would bring. <laughs> Never forget the day I was down at the old motor registry. And I've told you this. For those who are local, just bear with me here. <clears throat> They'd failed to send me my re renewal notice for my registration. And I, I, oh no, this thing's run out. I'm driving an unregistered vehicle for about a month. Didn't realise. <clears throat> so I went down there and said, oh, and he got right on to me. And I said, Mr. Woo Woo, don't you send it out? Oh, that's not our. I said, aren't you a public servant? Don't you serve? Oh, you should have heard him. He was too big to climb the counter, so he didn't come over my side. <laughs> But he was roaring on the other side, and I, maybe I said the wrong thing here. I don't know. Sometimes I might open my mouth and insert my foot, but it seemed to be that happened that day. But, folks, as Christians, we are on the other side serving, occupying, till he comes. What are we doing? What is it that you're rendering service to the King of kings and Lord of lords? How are you doing that? Most times it's helping others, ministering to others. It's others, not myself. It's not the popular doctrine of selfism. It's the doctrine of servanthood, yielding to what God wants. Not pleasing myself, not doing what I want, but doing what others want. How many times have you had to put down the tools or, or say, no, I'm going to do this? The Lord convic convic convicts you and convinces you that you should be doing something to occupy yourself for the benefit of others. And Paul, as you read through, that's what he was on about. Once he took that step of faith in Christ, he walked to please and minister to others. In Matthew 2, uh, 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What's the other service, serve, uh, boss that's trying to get your attention? You know, is it money in this, in there, Matthew? It's talking about money. It could be uh, things, and Troy touched on this this morning. <laughs> it could be a house. How much is that house worth now down Melbourne? Uh, he's, he's, see, he bought the house down there, and he went past just the other week, was it? <laughs> he wanted to know what it was worth now, what he could get now, you know, about that. And it started, oh, oh, why did I sell it? I should have kept it, you know. I could have had so many more hundreds of thousands of dollars. But don't worry, Troy, prices are going up in Albury too. <laughs> Long way behind Melbourne and Sydney. <laughs> Sorry. We're not moving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep him nailed down here. But he, he was he was he said he went down to and he's using this as an illustration, so I reuse his illustration this morning. He said he went and down there and went past his old house, looked up how much it was worth and oh should have I kept that, you know? And then started thinking about money and started thinking about houses and what should I do? How how can I get No, stop thinking about that. Let's not be the servant of money, possessions. Not occupied in those areas, but occupied in the things of the Lord. You know, when eternity rolls on, the person that has occupied themselves in the service of God will be the one 
that will be pleased with the Lord doing that in their life. They won't have regrets. You know, when we get to heaven, the Lord judges us at the beamer seat. And the, he said the good and the bad. It, it, it uses those words in the context of 1 Corinthians and tells us. And some are saved yet as by fire. They get into heaven by the skin of their teeth. And others have an abundant entrance that Peter talks about. Roll out the red carpet. Here comes such and such because they have been occupying themselves in the service of the king. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Yeah, folks, it's going to be like that. It says it in scripture. I believe the word. So the loyal servant must own his master's purposes. What is the purposes of God? Find that out and serve him. Because you will be blessed for eternity. But if you're not told and are not disciplining yourself to put off yourself and the old man and put on the new man and serve the Lord, then you're going to miss out. So many Christians have a double loyalty. And it might be money and you know, trying to keep a foot in both camps. Hedge your bet, bet your hedges. What do you say? Hedge your bets or something. I don't know. I, I have never done that. I don't know what it means, but it sounds like you know you're trying to keep a bit of both. You know the good of both. No, give it up. Give up the world. It's only temporal. The Lord gave His life <laughs> that we might have life eternal. Rejoice in the liberty we have in Christ Jesus. So. The loyal servant must own his master's purposes. God has a great purpose for this world. He has a great purpose for you. He has a great purpose for everyone that's in this world. Have you found his purposes? It's to become, as a Christian, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And I'd love to turn to Exodus and talk about that, where the man who was a servant was allowed to go out of his master's house in a certain year, whether it be the Jubilee or the seventh year. But if he chose to stay in his master's house with his wife, with his children, he could stand up against the door and they'd drill his ear through with an awl, it says, and he'd become his master's servant forever. And folk, that's what the Lord wants of us. And when you think of who Paul wrote this to in Romans, the, in, the, in Rome there, they were mostly servants and they hated the thought of being a, a servant, a bond servant. And the six words that could have been used, Paul used that word to them, bondservant. And what? <laughs> yes, that's what we become of Jesus Christ. Bondservants willingly choosing to put our ear and all go through it and we're his servants forever. That's what God wants. Not temporary, but permanent, full-time occupied servants to his master's purposes. Find what it is that God wants. And a loyal servant must obey his master's plan. For his life. <clears throat> Verse 17 of Romans 6. But God be thanked, whereas ye were the servants of sin, you've obeyed from the heart, from the heart, not from the head, from love, not law. You've obeyed, obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto you. Interesting. Doctrine. <laughs> that form of doctrine, the truth of God's word that is taught. Doctrine and duty, down in verse 22, but now being made free from sin, you become the servants of God. So you're serving right doctrine, that's first. And then duty comes in verse 22. Your fruit unto holiness, the end is everlasting life. 
What are you serving today? Who are you obeying? What are you being occupied in? In the long run, serving God, I can say with absolute assurance on the basis of God's word, will be worth it all when we get there. So we see what it means to walk in newness of life. Take that first step of salvation if you haven't. And then walk and keep on walking, occupying in God's business. It involves us steps in the life of liberation, dedication and occupation. Have you started the walk? Remember it begins with that first step. Stepping out of yourself into Christ means repentance, faith and obedience. Turning from yourself, trusting in Christ and then taking this new life of the Christian liberation, dedication and occupation, taking it on. What does it say? And, it, and we won't read there, but in Philippians chapter 2, the Lord Jesus is our example who came from heaven's glory down to this earth to become a servant for those to whom he would save. Took upon himself the form of a man, humbled himself, become obedient unto death. Folk, death to the old man, death to self, death to sin, death to Satan, Live for the Lord and it will be worth it all when we get there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless it to our hearts and may we take this message of death and life and liberty, occupation with your business, seriously. Because we all have to face you shortly. And we will give an answer for that which we've done in our body and with our body. And no one will be with an excuse. Now we might excuse ourselves, oh, I've got this and I'm doing that. But Lord, that day will be a day when we will give an account and there will be rewards and there will be judgment. Oh Lord, let us prepare ourselves for that day that we wouldn't be ashamed when it comes. And for those that haven't taken, taken the first step to believe on you, may today be the day when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they shall be saved. A wonderful life on into eternity we keep walking. In Jesus' name, amen.